You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports team. Welcome back into the Hodges Huddle for the first time of the fall semester. I am Andre Champagne, your host today, and I'm joined by Raven Freeman and Nathan Messina. What's going on? Glad to be back. How are y'all? Doing good. How's the first few days? I mean, how are you? Good, man. It's, you know, classes are classes, but (laughs) college football. Classes were booty. It's supposed to be syllabus week, and they're like teaching after they say the syllabus. So that was annoying. Yeah, I know. We 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 started that. our whole chapter today, so that that was an L. But the only thing holding me up right now is that college football, at the time of recording, is back in two days. So two days. that that that's forty eight hours. Dude, I'm, I'm counting be, them down. I'm gonna I'm be on the edge down. of my seat watching Navy versus uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, man. Oh man, I'm gonna be watching the Hawaii and Vanderbilt <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, I don't know about you. <laughs> so so LSU football does return in about a week. Uh, they do not have a week zero game. Neither does their. Um, opponent FSU this Thank year. God. Thank goodness. So Good. they open the year up against FSU, but we're going to save that preview for next week. We're going to open up uh, with kind of some breaking news at this point. I mean, Mason Smith getting suspended for the first game of the season. I mean, that's huge. You also didn't get him last year because he tore his ACL, right. but now you don't get him because the NCAA is corrupt. I mean, the this, worst organization, right? And, and on planet Earth. So I mean, with that kind of opening up I mean how big of a deal is this this is one of your best defense alignment who brings the pressure and you're gonna miss him again yeah I mean it's just it's a tough blow man especially like I mean you could tell in parts last year in that Florida State game where we missed him and both teams have obviously gotten better but I mean that's that's, that's a game struggle. changer Florida State has yeah. also gotten better that's the point exactly and they're also going to be losing I think one of their defense alignment as well but I mean Mason Smith is a beast. He's a bo- like a man among boys. So, um, I mean, like, who's going to step into that role? I, I, I see Jacoby and Guillory maybe yeah, going into D-tackle. I mean, there's just not really a bunch of big bodies. It's, right. it's Defensive line is not where I'm super worried about yeah. death. Like, right. We'll talk we'll, about that later. We'll be um, all right. But, yeah, there's it's there's worse areas where we could be hurting. Like, I don't think that this is, like, an odds changer, you know, like Vegas is not going to see Mason Smith is out and like right. LSU is still going to be two point favorites or whatever. Right. Raven, do you think they still can get it done without Mason Smith? I mean, yeah, because we did all last season. But like you guys said, it was just heartbreaking because I'm looking forward to him coming back. I mean, he's been hurt two seasons in a row now. So, you know, like I said, it's heartbreaking. I mean, we're all ready to see him play. He's a good asset to this LSU team, which I talk about later on in the podcast. But it just sucks. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I've never heard of pushing back a suspension because a dude got injured. That's like actually like, right. like a horrible thing to do. Yeah, like yeah. the dude he served a suspension when he tore his ACL. Exactly right, right? and it, and then he comes back and it's he wants to play more than anybody oh. else wants him to. I mean, guarantee he's, he had he's this missed game circled. Yeah. He's missed all this time, right? And and now he's just going to miss one of the probably the biggest game of the season, right? And, and it's the first one. So, I mean, with Brian Kelly going into year two with his true first recruiting class, what do you think kind of the expectations are for him this year? I mean, to win a national championship, to me, it's just that simple. With the success he had last year, I mean, it was his first year coaching this LSU football team. I mean, it's pretty clear that's the only option. I know it's huge. And then I feel like the pressure is also high because women's basketball, LSU baseball, they just won – they're natties, and then we're going to be losing some big players like to the draft, potentially, juniors, seniors, Malik, neighbors. So the pressure is definitely on, but I think we need to win a national championship. I think that's his main goal. That's all of our main goals, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of fans especially want they, they want the national championship this year. That's become the theme at LSU right. lately is the year two national getting greedy. championship. We're getting greedy. We're getting greedy. <laughs> fans are getting greedy. And it's just – I think people aren't realizing just how difficult that yes, is to do, especially yeah. in football, to win a, a, a national championship after cleaning up the mess that Ed Ogeron left. I think more realistic expectations would be, um, I don't know, I think a top 10 finish is definitely, anything less than that would be a huge letdown. But anything in the top 10 would be good. I think this team definitely has what it takes to make the playoffs. It's just there's a lot of depth issues. Yeah, there's a lot of depth issues, and then there's just a lot of other things that kind of, like a lot of luck, I feel like, has to tie into it with yeah. other teams losing into it, too. But personally, 
I think that this may be the biggest year of Brian Kelly's career that he's ever had. Let me tell you why. I think his reputation at Notre Dame with making it to the playoffs and not beating Bama or whoever that may have been is not tucked under the rug after an amazing first season, you know, with him. So he rebuilt the team, right, with only 39 scholarships when he players when he got there, and he won 10 games with them. I mean, that's pretty amazing. With all that being said, he has the most talented roster he's ever had in his coaching career. So this is kind of where I think he can prove all that rep, bad rep that he kind of got for losing those lost playoff games. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Brian Kelly said himself, like on I think it was in SEC media days, that he said somebody asked him when when does he expect to win a national championship, and he himself said year three. So I think you, if you ask Jay Johnson that same thing and Kim Mulkey, they would have said the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's just I think. I think fans need to just temper their expectations just a little bit. There's nothing wrong with being excited for a season and wanting a playoff run. I think that's I think that's all within reason for this team. But to expect a national championship is just I mean that's it's a, a lot. It's it's a yeah. lot. It, it, it's it's a lot. Yeah. And, and Nathan, you got to see a lot of the practices this summer um, as he was giving us great coverage, and uh, we also got to see a little scrimmage the other day. So um, I'm going to ask you first: Who are some key players that you have seen take up roles um, this summer that you may have not? known we're going to have an immediate impact on the year my big one's going to be Zyag Alexander um I think just with the issues that we've heard about with the secondary I think that he has he's definitely shown a lot of promise in camp and I mean he was he was flashing all over the field had like PBUs and interceptions on Malik Neighbors who's coming off thousand yard season like yep. he's if he can really step up and be that good as he has in camp like that'll be a huge bonus to this uh the secondary. Raven. Right. I chose my option as far as consistency. Mine is Josh Williams. I mean, I've watched film like from practices over the summer and I just feel like his consistency, it's his fifth year, it's his last year. And you can tell he really wants to make it to the league. I mean, I feel like he's also gonna take up that leader role this season. I mean, I know he's been one of the oldest on the team, but I haven't really seen that from him. I mean, I'm kind of concerned because he's a marketing major. I mean, his last three years, he's won SEC academic honor roll, or he's made it on there. And for marketing majors, the last year is typically the hardest, but I feel like if he can balance his playing style and his academics, then I feel like. Yeah, and he's a quiet guy. So like, you don't really see like, you kind of just see him like, put his head down, and go to work. You know, right. like, you want him to kind of be vocal in the locker room now, now that he does have all that experience. But for me, I think Mason Taylor, like, year two, after we saw what he did just in year one, I mean, that's quite incredible. I think last year Mike Denbrock was a little shy with him getting uh, him heavily involved in the passing game because, obviously, Jaden had a little problem of going downfield. But, I mean, this year I think he's going to solidify himself as a top five tight end in the country, and I don't think that's crazy to say. No, definitely. The you can see it in camp too. The tight end position is definitely going to be a loaded. lot, a lot more inv- loaded and yeah. a lot more involved in this offense this year. And then I had a defensive one. I had I'd say Ryan. I think he had an amazing summer. Um, kind of got not like screwed over, but he kind of did. Um, yeah. First getting to LSU, he's changed positions so many times. Right. Ed Orgeron started him off as a safety. That's not his true decision. It, it was always like nickel or cornerback so I think now that he's been back in that role I think he's gonna have a really good year yeah I've got one more I was gonna say Aaron Anderson there you go he's gonna be I think he's gonna surprise a lot of people after transferring from Bama um I mean he played it in a car so it's good to see him back home and he's just the dude is fast man like he is sparks yeah like yeah dude's got wheels on his on the end of his legs like he's gonna be fast and I think they're gonna have him mainly as a return man so on special teams, man, that's like a yeah. a huge upgrade, especially after what we saw last year on special teams. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, just a lot of talent in that wide receiver room. But who are some players that y'all expect to get production from right away on both offense and defense, whether that's new people or old? So, uh, you can go. Okay. So for offense, I actually have Garrett Nussmeyer. I mean, I don't mm. know if that's surprising, but I feel like, Brian Kelly is going to switch them out a lot more than we think this season. I mean, Daniels is mobile. We all know that. But Nuss has that throwing arm. And as ball be- as balls become more airborne in football, I feel like Brian Kelly would want him to showcase that talent. So and you then, think he plays two quarterback system this year? Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially well, if Daniels in the beginning of the season can't get 
just throwing together, I feel like that's definitely a possibility. I don't really see it happening. I think it like it would be really cool to see the two quarterback system, yeah. maybe mm-hmm. like a like in the bowl game. Yeah, yeah, and like that a, was really cool. Almost like a Chris Leak uh, and Tebow type situation. <clears throat> like yeah, a, I, I've been watching I mean, Swamp Kings. If you, you have tell, yeah, you have two different types of quarterbacks that can yeah. that are really good at what they do. Right, and I mean it allows the offense to kind of just like do what they want. That's yeah. why I feel like it would be a yeah. good idea. I mean, I know it's out of the I ordinary. I think you can. <laughs> I think it would be good, but it's not sustainable in my right. opinion. I don't think you can go and win a natty doing that. And I think it's just not really fair to those guys. I mean, because you see Jaden, obviously he's going to be like one of the top five quarterbacks in the nation yeah, this he's, year. He's got the starting job on lock. And I oh, mean, yeah. the good thing is I think Nuss, you can tell he has no problem sitting and waiting right. for a year. Yeah. He's, you saw the comment, what he said. He yeah. said he's he's happy to sit behind and like he's just glad that he's repping his state. Yeah, man. That's definitely the kids you want on your roster. He's That's the kind of guy you want in the locker room. Yep. Who are you going to say? Nathan. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, I was gonna <laughs> say uh, Harold Perkins is my guy, and just again going with the consistency piece, like Raven was earlier. I just think after the like insane freshman year that he had, like it's hard to follow up. Hard that's to follow a, that's up. That's a lot of expectations. It is, but I think that he will be the the player to kind of hold up to those expectations. I think if anybody can, he will. I like that. I'm gonna say Omar Spates. I think uh-huh. uh, I can't I can't brag more over this guy than I already have. I think his speed for his size is incredible, and his pass rush ability is there along with his tackling skills, zone coverage. It's really all there. I think Spates is going to be one of the most important players on this roster this year, leading the linebackers with his experience. So I'll, I'll say him. Yeah. But with almost your entire offense returning, obviously you have to feel good if you're LSU uh, in terms of scoring. Obviously, Jaden Daniels, now a senior, he's had time to master the playbook now in a offensive scheme so there's definitely high expectations for him especially this year what do y'all think Jaden Daniels has to do to become a Heisman contender and maybe just that quarterback to lead LSU to another SEC championship you know maybe college football play up earth yeah I mean everybody's been saying it I mean even since last year but he's gonna have to improve that deep ball right exactly if he can get that deep ball going and spread this offense down the field man like I mean look at Florida yeah. You saw what he did with the Jure Jenkins thing. It's there. Like, you know it's, it's there. there. It's in the bag. Like, it's in the arsenal. He's just got to be more accurate. He's got to tap it. into it. Yeah, he's got to be more accurate. I think that's the biggest thing It's the deep ball accuracy is where he lacked. So that itself, I think, if he has that, good luck. Dude, like, good he... luck, SEC teams, because the wide receiver core is incredible. Right. You have all these running backs. And one, I would say, and I'm not even being biased here, you, you return your whole entire offensive lineman. So you've given him all this time in the world. Right. Especially with guys like Emory Jones and uh yeah. and Will Campbell, Will Campbell up there. Now Zaylin's hurt. Yeah, true. Yeah. And Charles Turn is a fifth year. So Yeah, it's it's stacked. It's, up in it's the trenches. Yeah, man. it's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, especially if you can that combined with his running ability, like let's say like you're you're forcing the defense to defend like literally the entire field. Yeah. Because they're having to go they're having to defend deep in the secondary. Yeah. It, and then you also have to have people waiting you yeah. got to have guys waiting for him if he decides to get out of that pocket because then he's just gone. It's right? like playing – like I envision it as like if you have all of that in your arsenal, it's like a two-minute like warning drill because yeah. it keeps the defense on their toes but at all times. Like exactly. This is like when you're always playing. They're, they're you know gonna how dangerous run, that is? They're going to yeah. have to run a tempo this year, yeah. I think. But Yeah, ex- especially they will. But I think that's just kind of a good comparison to it. But, um, I mean, if he has developed that deep ball, which I think he has, I mean, you've seen more practices than me. Oh yeah, it's 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 there. Good, yeah, good. What does that do for LSU in terms of kind of how we sort of just talked about it? Opens the playbook and that kind of sort. Yeah, I mean, like we said, it's just if if they really can get that going, like it's it's over for the rest of the SEC. Yeah, this offense will be so much more dynamic than it already is. I mean, thinking about it, he barely threw deep balls last season. And look how good of a season. We had a winning season. I mean, think about yeah. that, like how you guys said. Not only a winning season, but a 10-win season. Right. And, and you SEC went West. to the SEC championship. Yeah, yeah and, and in the SEC West. I'm With just, Bama having the number one overall pick, by the way. Exactly. Right. So. It's it's just it's that, that well, my thing is all you see people like talking about, oh, I think the LSU hype is overrated, they're overrated. Like almost nothing about this team got worse. Right, right. Almost everything about the team you could that just probably won. say cornerback. Yeah, but, that's like the but only not thing. even like a huge drop off of where they were. Exactly, it's just inexperience at that exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah, and so, it's it's like literally nothing 
besides cornerback got worse. So if if the team that just won the SEC yeah. West got better almost everywhere, like and I can tell you, special teams could not have got worse. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> like I'm not even going to talk about that. Like we're expecting big things from them this year, but you also have a wide receiver core in where you're returning Malik Neighbors coming off a thousand yard receiving year, as well as Kyron Lacy. He had a very good summer, um, from what I understand, and Brian Thomas Jr. with high expectations. They also added talent with Shelton Sampson, Aaron Anderson, and Jalen Brown. So what kind of wide receiver court is LSU dealing with, and is it deep enough to get the ball to everyone but Malik in those times where kind of Malik's probably getting most of the focus? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I feel like Malik is definitely not going to get all the spotlight this season. I mean, how deep our wide receiver core is, I mean, it reminds me of LSU baseball, like how we knew if someone got injured, there would mm-hmm. be no problems. I mean, of course, we hope no one gets injured, but I'm also happy that the pressure, not all the pressure is on, is on yeah. Malik. I mean... Because last year, you look at it, and you're like, if Malik's getting locked up, Kayshawn was really nowhere to be found. Right, exactly. And then the other guys weren't really as dependable on. But this year, the talent was always there. It was mm-hmm. just a matter of they they didn't get game reps, really. Right. And I'm also very excited. I mean, see how the other wide receivers play because, you know, Samson and Brown, they're freshmen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just – I think the the wide receiver core is not getting enough attention, like, nationally. I think a lot of these guys are going to surprise a lot of people. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's like a, a sleeping beast. It's yeah. something weird like that. I think the talent, obviously, there. We've seen what guys like those guys can do, like Brian Thomas Jr., Kyron Lacey. You have the ability to do all of that. They've also had great summers, like I said. You also have the speedster that I haven't talked about, Chris Hilton. Downfield, dude, he can fly. Right. Like It's going to be, like I said, if Jaden really did develop that deep ball, it's you have over. so many options. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I know all the inexperience last year with those guys may kind of start it slow. But I think these guys are just, they're going to go off. Yeah, me too. So recently, Nathan and I kind of discussed a question marks defensively in the secondary. Should LSU be worried at the cornerback and safety position? I mean, yeah, like one hundred percent, you should be worried. But I mean, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys who are pretty unproven out there, like we said, with very little experience. Yep. But like I said earlier, with Zay Alexander, there are guys who are showing promise out there, like that. Although they lack experience. They could still be able to. They're step holding up. their own. Yeah, right? they're holding their own. Yeah. So, if they can overcome that inexperience and really show out like they have in camp, then no, this probably this won't be something to worry about. Yeah. It's just it's like it's like only time will tell. Like we will not exactly. find out until the first snap of that Florida State. Game. And and it'll be a big challenge because right. you have yeah. Keon Coleman, six four, also on the Belichick watch list, and then you have Johnny Wilson, six, six seven, seven, on the Belichick <laughs> watch. <laughs> I mean, that is an insane one. Probably your best one-two in the nation. Right. With, like, Travis, obviously. I don't want to get too, too deep in it, but you have an inexperienced group going at it, and they're little. They're kind of little. They're not bigger guys. I mean, you have Deuce Chestnut, who's probably the biggest guy right there. But, I mean, that's going to be a question mark. What do you think, Raven? I mean, yeah, I don't like to use the word worried, like Nathan said, until we see the first snap of that ball. We're not going to know. How they're going to play. I mean, as far as the safety position, I was going to elaborate, elaborate on the cornerback position. The next question. But as far as yep. the safety position, I mean, Jay Ward left some big shoes mm-hmm. to fill. I mean, yep. losing him was probably the worst thing that's happened to this team, in my opinion. So, I mean, we'll just have to see. I don't want to worry about it. But yeah. in the back of my mind, you know. Ugh. Losing him and yeah. then Jared Bernard Converse. Yeah. Like, he, he held it down last year in, right. like, Every game, like it, like yeah. silently, it kind of went under the rug. But mm-hmm. I mean, he was so good. Um, it just, and it just hurts too when you have you bring in a, a transfer like Denver Harris, yeah, like five star with all, all the, the talent time. in the world, man. But he just he just can't get over whatever personal issues he's got going on. Yeah, that's what I was gonna talk. And about. it's just like when you have that guy who comes in, you get all this hype in the preseason, and then he's out there running with the threes in camp, like that. Hurts. Getting torched too. Yeah, getting torched. Yeah. I, I don't know. He he some at some points. At some he points, but he also there were some points where he had he was pretty yeah, locked down. He was pretty locked down. So yeah. I mean, but even then, just the fact that he's running with the threes in the first place just it's just aggravating. Hurts, man. Like it wasn't expected. It wasn't expected, but it was supposed to be something about this secondary that we had to look forward to. And you and thought not. you thought 
whatever he was handling was dealt with, right? Like you thought when that was kind of the expectation when he came in transferring. I mean, Brian Kelly, big discipline guy. Like you thought Brian Kelly was going to whip him into shit. Yeah, you 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 really did think so. And and it's just the same old Denver Harris. So hopefully he can kind of prove that wrong. Because if not, I mean, I think if he's benched, he's gonna be mad about it. But I mean, nobody else is gonna give him an opportunity because simply because it just keeps going on. Exactly. So, I mean, what guys do y'all expect to start or maybe just step up in that cornerback role this year? I mean, honestly, I was still going to say Denver Harris. I mean, so Denver and I are both from around Houston. I've watched Denver play. Denver's high school, North Shore, has won two high school national championships, and he's played a big role in those wins. Um. I mean, I know he had issues at AM. Yeah. That's why he's here. But I feel like he'll still be a great asset to this LSU defense because I've seen him play. I mean, I know he's running with the threes. And like, it's just really strange. Like, strange. that's not the type of player that he is. That's why you, I still you have think he's a game, there. like a game guy where he just like steps oh, yeah. up big time. For sure, because I've games. watched North Shore is an amazing team. They're still amazing now. They won that yeah. last year. And so like, I would go watch. I mean, Texas football in general is, is no it's high amazing. school. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's no joke. And I remember Denver Harris. And when he transferred, I was like, oh, my gosh. I called my mom. I was like, Denver Harris is coming to LSU. And she was like, I remember watching him. And like, yep. so it's just kind of sad. Maybe he is a game guy. Hopefully he is. Because I don't even feel like in high school he had like the same motive that he has now. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's like he's not acting like himself, playing like himself really. Yeah. So. That's what college does to you sometimes. It's reality it's check, man. What do you, what would you say? Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing, just with Denver, man. I mean, I don't know. You just you really hope to see him get over those uh those personal yeah. issues. Yeah. I, I was gonna say I was gonna say I expect Sage really. Like I, I'm high on this kid. I mean, I've seen yeah, him play. You have a lot of faith in Sage. I, I I I've seen this guy play since he was a sophomore in high school. So okay. I mean, it, the athletic ability of him is like no question. It's just the smart tactics, I guess the eyes, you know, the discipline. But I also expect Deuce Chestnut. I mean, he came from Syracuse. He was an ACC All-American or first team like that, something like that. I I think he's going to be the cornerback one going forward. And then I I could see, like, Zai Alexander, who's just a freak athlete on the field, um, just stepping up in that cornerback too. And then you have Ashton Stamps, who's been, like, having one of the best summers probably of all of the players. Right. So I think he'll see, see the field. So finally, this is going to be an exciting season, right? Uh, we're going to go quickly through the schedule, and I want y'all to give me y'all predictions game by game. Okay. Okay. Yep. Let's do it. All right, Raven. Let's let's hear it. Okay. So for SFU, I have a win. Okay. Twenty-one to twenty-five. Oh, you got scores too. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I do oh, not yeah. have scores. Gremlin, <laughs> I have a win, sixty to seven. Sorry, Gremlin. Like <laughs> Mississippi gonna, State, yeah. I have a win, twenty-seven to fourteen. Arkansas, I have a win, 20 to 23. Ole Miss, I have a win, 20 to 27. Mizzou, I have a win, 27 to 14. Auburn, I have a win-lose, 20 to 21. Okay. Army, 49 to 7. I got excited. Alabama, 7 to 14 win. Army was a win, I'm sorry, too. Florida, win, 34 to 21. Georgia State. Win twenty seven to seven, and the Texas A and M. I don't know. I feel like we're gonna get cocky again, like we did last season. And I feel like we're gonna lose fourteen to okay. twenty seven. That's not a, that's that's not bad. I like that. I like, I like that, that too. I like I like a lot of the the close wins against SEC teams. I don't. Yeah, I feel like it's gonna be close. I think I think that this team has the the capabilities to be high scoring. I oh just, yeah. I just don't see it actually happening. Yeah. It's I think it'll like happen. It's just like how long is that defense on the field? Yeah. That's exactly. gonna be it. Um, Andre, why don't you go next? <laughs> you want me to go next? Okay. All right, so starting off with the FSU, I made these predictions before the Mason Smith stuff, but okay. I still think they win against FSU. I really do. I think the the grudge on these guys' shoulders, uh, I mean the chip on these guys' shoulders, after losing like that in their home state. Yeah, they're going to be fired up. They are going to be, like, that's an understatement. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a really fun game. Super close. I think they win that one. Grambling. Yeah, like you said, sorry, Grambling. This is a enjoy your money coming play. Um, enjoy the views, you know, in, in Death Valley. Uh, Miss State, yeah, Starkville at 11 o'clock. Nothing better than that, hearing uh, cowbells to wake you up. Um, we're going to win that one. Yeah, that's just that's atrocious. Uh, it's probably my least favorite thing in the SEC. It's the worst, worst sound in, SEC. in the world. Yeah. 
worse than the Vandy Whistler? Oof. All right. I don't know. Yeah. I can't These are the, no, yeah, that's this, a tough one. Yeah, that that that's for another podcast. <laughs> uh, I think we beat Arkansas. I think that's a really close game at home. Thankfully, we play that game at home, though, yeah. because I think if it is if over in there Arkansas, in Fayetteville, yeah, I think yeah. they win that one. But I think we win this one. Ole Miss, this is probably the biggest game of the year um, down the line. Ole Miss has the pretty much entire offense coming back. Jackson Dart, uh, they're saying he's had phenomenal summer as well. Somehow, I think he won. I think he won the starting job over Spencer Sanders and mm-hmm. and Walker Howard. Um, I think we win that one. Very toxic environment. I think we come off a high, lose to Mizzou. This is a hot take. This is a hot take. Really? Mizzou is like an Achilles heel for LSU. You saw it when they when we lost even in the COVID year. Yeah, with Miles Brennan. Miles Brennan literally <laughs> like had an amazing Threw game, like five hundred yards, and, we still and lost completely tore his abdominal muscle and <laughs> on that fourth and goal, and we lost that game. But the stupidest game. I think we lose that game as well. I mean, I think we beat comeback, beat Auburn, beat Army, beat Bama big. Really? Come back to that. Going to T-Town. T-Town, <laughs> be the big. Sunbelt Billy. Um, <laughs> this will probably the, be the game where he gets fired after. Um, we're going to beat them and the bricks off of them. Uh, Georgia State, that's a, that's, a, that's a very sly game. Georgia State's not a bad football team. I think, yeah. they're gonna, I think we're going to win. It's going to be close. Close, okay. A&M, I would have to disagree with you, Raven. I think we're going to beat them at home just because – of how much the disrespect we got oh, yeah, from that was, losing that game. I was at that game. It was I, disgusting. I know players that were like, this is not who we are. Like, yeah. I can't believe we lost to them. They played you know? They played Colin Baton Rouge in the stadium. After exactly. They mm. Like, they're going like, to – I think our is, players are going to remember This is that. an underrated, like, circle this game. Yes. Yeah, like, I went to that game and, like, it it's was like, brutal. It's like the seven-overtime yeah. game. They literally rushed the field, didn't yes. they? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's they're, so they're embarrassing. Coming off a losing season, like you look dumb. Oh yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna circle. Gotcha. You're fifth circle. win of the season. And you're yeah, rushing congratulations. The you're still not bowl eligible. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I, I was gonna say. Now let's go to you. So yeah. y'all both have eleven and one. Is that I have right? eleven and one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know what? Then I'll go. Florida State win. Grambling win. Mississippi State win. Arkansas win. Ole Miss win. Mizzou win. Auburn win. Army win at Alabama win huh? Florida win Georgia State win and Texas A and M win a winning wow. season. If y'all gonna go eleven and one? I'll no. twelve I'll and zero. Wow. Twelve, 12 and zero with this team would be like Amazing. it'd be crazy, like mind blowing. But you know what? That'd be like the Auburn year where they like return that kick, also beat Georgia off a tip pass. Like that'd be like that kind of luck. That I glass half full kind of guy. What can I say? I like it. I like it. I was going to say ceiling and floor for this team. I think obviously 12 and 0 is yeah. realistic. And I think 9 and 3. That's I what I said. 9 and there. 3, yeah. That's what I said. Y'all would agree with that? I could yeah. see I could see the three losses I would probably pick if I was going to pick them to lose would be Ole Miss, yep. oh. Bama, and FSU, honestly. Yeah. I was going to say FSU Those straight are the three up most FSU. Those like, likely losses. FSU and Bama because yeah. Nick Saban, man. Yeah. He's Nick Saban. I had it's, Arkansas, it's Ole guy, Miss, but he's Nick Saban. And Texas A&M. Because I don't know about Texas A&M. I'm yeah. sorry. I could see that. I mean, yeah, they have a lot to prove. If if they're bad, Jimbo's going this year. I think they'll, I think they'll go like 8-4. and four. I don't know, dude. That buyout is crazy. But I know. They, do the guy, they got that old But still, it doesn't matter. After you're that bad yeah. with all those five I stars. I think I think if he goes 8-4, and four, they'll be like, oh, well, he improved from last year, and they'll keep him. Because that's yeah. just A&M is... Uh, they, like, they, yeah, I hope you don't lose to... Appalachian State this year. A and M is. Satisfied. They might go and lose against Miami this year. They're satisfied with mediocrity over there. So if he goes eight and four, oh, they'll, yeah. they'll be like, they'll right, be hooting, good. hollering, yeah. man. <laughs> be, good enough. Whooping and yelling, bro. Oh like yeah. They do with the, the little, they'll be doing the, the little, yeah, the little male cheerleaders down there. <laughs> yeah. Whoop. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's an interesting place that I never want to visit. Crazy, uh, college awful. Station. I like stole people's towels, and they were like, "Man, like, whatever, y'all just won. Y'all just stormed the field. Go storm oh, the field." Oh man, I stole like five towels <laughs> from college. <laughs> from where? You know, they, they don't from play man. about their towels, man. No, they don't play about their towels. <laughs> Ooh, that's crazy. From College Station. Like, oh, you think man. we're brutal? I think we're more brutal than I them. I think that's like, going to be a bad expense that they have to cover. Uh, <laughs> even those five towels are really going to hurt them. I think I made an impact because they were mad at me, boy. <laughs> <laughs> How you know they didn't charge you? Oh, they didn't. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Lastly, okay, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, I think I want y'all to give me y'all early college football playoff four and then the Heisman winner. Okay. I'm going to, I'll go first. I'm going to say I've got Michigan as my one seed. I like it. I've got Georgia at two, LSU at three, and USC at four. I like it. What do you have? So my three, my top three, were the same as Nathan. Yep. You had Michigan, Georgia, and LSU? Yeah, and okay. then honestly, for number four, I don't know, I couldn't. It's a toss-up? Yeah. I mean. There's there's a couple teams I can see few, getting in. Like, I mean, I, dude, I can even see Florida State getting in. I, I know. That's have, what I said. I think if, if FSU does lose to us, they're winning out. Like I'm telling yeah. you now, they're oh, winning out. Sure. Like Clemson, they'll, they'll win the Clemson's done. I hate to say it, Clemson oh, yeah. dynasty. Bye-bye, sorry, Dabo. Dabo. Clemson has a lot of <laughs> things to fix. A lot of tweaks. They're, yeah, they're, they're in like cult rebuilding like too, man. They're, they're yeah. weird over there. <laughs> oh, trust me, I know. I, I met a few people on the beach from Clemson. They're like different, dude. Strange. They bro. do not like LSU either. No, really? After what we did <clears throat> in 2019, <laughs> but that's sorry, another story. Not sorry, bro. So who y'all have as a Heisman though? I, I was gonna ask that. I'll, I'll oh yeah, yeah, I've got I've like you know I scored. I got I got Jaden Daniels, man. Really? Well, that's biased. A little biased. So home, oh, Homer alert, neighbors. but you know I just what? I'm not I'm not going that far I, on Jaden. Dude, he's number two in the Heisman odds for a reason, man. What do you have? He's number two in the odds. Wait, I have I Malik. Know. I feel like oh, if Malik Malik as a Heisman winner, Ooh. yes. Shoot, we got if the we, hot takes we, today, boy. It's all about <laughs> consistency. I know I say consistent because a lot. But Malik has been a good, consistent player. Yeah, well, Jamar Chase had like <laughs> how many yards? Like two thousand gazillion. Okay. Well, what did Devontae have... Smith have like uh, to win? There was yeah, also I think not it was a whole like, lot of competition. Yeah, that that year was like that's Mickey what I'm saying. Mouse. Things still, have changed. I'm gonna go. Okay, my four is gonna be Georgia one because I think they beat us in the SEC championship, but like it's gonna be close. And then I think Michigan has two, LSU is three, and I'm going USC four. I like it. Because USC is like probably going to lose to Utah again. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they're just going to either put – they don't want to see Georgia and LSU Pac-12 go ahead going to be a gauntlet this year, dude. It will be. Because Oregon like the, actually has like Bo Nix for – I don't even know how Bo Nix still has eligibility. Stetson Bennett, dude. But, <laughs> dude, literally. But, I mean, just a combination of, like, generally the Pac-12 teams will be good this year. And also, yeah, Michael they Pant- are all mad at each other, dude. Like, even those bottom feeder teams are going to be playing – Angry this year with yeah. all the realignment. Oregon stuff. State. Oh yeah, gonna have dude, DJ uh, Ugalele. I'm not super high on him, but okay, don't like him. But they're they're a solid team though. I don't team. know if you they're watched them close out the year last year. They're, they're a good pretty team, good. But but I'll, I'll go for my Heisman with my safe pick. I hate doing this, but I'm gonna say Caleb Williams for the second year. I don't think they do though. Like uh, that's my yeah. safe pick. Has there ever been like? Like a, a back a repeat? Yeah, no, two times. Yeah. exactly. I just it's not maybe once or twice, but my fun pick. <laughs> I'm going Marv Harrison, Ohio State. I like that because they literally That's have going. nobody, really nobody. That's like, going. I think Marv Harrison's gonna like go off. Man, just Malik Neighbors, man. <laughs> look, all I'm gonna say is if Malik Neighbors wins the Heisman, we are uh, in a good <laughs> spot, look, dude. Look, like it might be better than 2019 because <laughs> like if Malik Neighbors is winning the Heisman. Boy, look, are, look, look. We are set. That's all I'm saying. Like, that would be crazy. Either either that means we are set or we are god awful, <laughs> bro. And he's just got, like, the like only, he's just he's, him. He's yeah. the only one with, like, a thousand yards. Slant. But, but I'm surprised him. you don't have as much faith in Jaden. Jaden was my second pick. I thought about it, but I didn't want to be biased, first of all. Yeah. And I, mean, I think he's like, going to be good enough to put up great numbers. But for a Heisman, like, to, like, blow me out the water, I think it's going to be, like, it's going to be somebody that, like, has a quarterback that's, like, actually, like, carrying the team. Okay. Like, I think, Fair like, enough. like Michael Penix or, like, uh, even if that's Bo Nix. Like, they yeah. have no defenses, those Pac-12 teams. Yeah. Like, I think it could be something like them or I don't think Bama has a shot or Georgia. And, and even I thought about putting Harold Perkins in there. But you know how hard it is for a defensive player to win that now. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it's just, like, it would happening. take, like, and then, like, stellar season for him. Yeah. You'd have to be, like, greatest defensive player of all time. Of all time. That. like And, like, Tyron Matthews. Quarterback one. Even didn't get that. Yeah, so. exactly. Next for y'all, we have an interview that we did this summer with Nathan and me, um, with Mr. Jack Karavich with Tiger Air, the guys behind the air-conditioned helmets. All right, everybody. We're here with a very special guest today, 
Mr. Jack Karavich, the founder of Tiger Air. You guys might know that name from the uh, the air-conditioned helmets that have been going pretty viral uh, that LSU is going to start wearing this season. Uh, how are you doing today, Mr. Karavich? I'm doing great. I lost you there for a second, Nathan, but you're back, so I hear you. Good deal. Glad to hear it. Um, So we'll just jump right in. Um, Where did you get the idea? Just where did that originate to start making air-conditioned helmets? Because I feel like that's something like – People are like, oh, that would be cool, but it seemed like so far in the future. Yeah, um, you know, honestly, it, it was out of necessity at first. You know, I was meeting with uh, with uh, Greg Stringfellow and Jack Marucci, who are part of the LC football team, during COVID uh, for about a week, looking at some of the challenges that they were having and preparing for that season. And one of the big things that kind of just kept bubbling up to the surface was the issue with adding a protective layer to the football helmets because there was a lot of concern about spreading COVID at the time, obviously from coughing or sneezing or, you know, just having like a lot of physical activity on the field. And um, so there was a, a obviously a, a strong desire to have something in place beyond just the contact tracing and testing, but some sort of almost like active measure to protect the players if needed during the season. So they had rolled out these um, almost like die cut pieces of shower curtain that the guys were expected to wear back in, in uh, 2020 and I think it was an article in The Advocate where it all kind of started when Greg and Jack Marucci and I got connected that I want to say it was Austin Deculus on the on the in the picture. And it said something to the effect of like, we can't F and breathe was the the title of the article. Um, and uh, and that's actually that that article is what kind of brought us all together and you know, just shared my background with them and work I'd done in the past and, you know, offered to help and volunteer in any way if they needed it because I was down there in the area my wife's family's down there and you know we uh we both went to graduate school at Tulane and just a lot of connections in New Orleans and Louisiana so um so I ended up meeting with the guys and uh looking at just a bunch of different issues that they were facing at the time and that was the one that just kind of jumped out at me and I put a football helmet on and walked around with it and just you know didn't play football growing up and just realized man these things are so heavy and hot and like you can't breathe with them on just the way they are much less when you, you know, wrap a plastic bag around your face while you, while you're doing it. So, so that, that problem just really jumped out at me. And, um, you know, we talked to uh, quite a bit that afternoon when I, when I first met with them and I went back and just kind of tinkered in my garage. And I think it's more just my personality. And I was like, you know, I, I, there's nothing better you can come up with to cover the face of a, of a helmet. But I was like, man, if you could just get a little more air in there, it'd probably be better. And took apart some old computers and, you know, some duct tape and nine volt batteries and uh, more duct tape and <laughs> some tube from Lowe's. And I just, you know, popped it inside and, and realized, wow, this this actually kind of helps and took it to LSU. And uh, we walked around just letting the guys try it on. And it was just like one after another would just call it helmet. Oh, my God, we got air conditioning in the helmet. Oh, my God, bro, are we going to have this? And <laughs> like they just got so hype about it. And uh, I swear, I think it was out of a hundred and. 10 guys we talked to like one of them didn't like it and it was really? like, yeah and it was uh i mean we're not naming names obviously of anyone but <laughs> he was just you know he, he he said he didn't feel it at first and then when he did he was like i don't know it's, it's like maybe it's distracting i mean it's yeah it's any product right you never have yeah 100 of people loving yeah. it but man it was literally like all but one guys that's a pretty crazy number so, yeah. so <laughs> that's and, kind and of it's like getting used to probably does, that's yeah probably, yeah that's yeah. probably why he thought it was like it was just you know it just didn't feel right that's probably what it was yeah yeah a hundred percent like you know and honestly i think the older you get and the more you've played you know with with certain equipment right i mean you look at the nfl and you got guys that are playing i don't know to this point still if it's as prevalent but i mean you had notoriously guys that were wearing helmets that were 30 years old because that's what they grew up playing with and there was a lot of pushback i think they've kind of course corrected on that but but you don't like to change your ways as much when you start to get older and older. So we all are. So, you know, I, right. I mean, I, you know, I've talked with yeah. former LSU players that were, you know, either kind of coming to the end of their careers in the league or had recently finished playing. And, you know, a lot of the time it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want that in my helmet, but, you know, then you go talk to an 18 year old or 14 year old who's in the thick of it and they love technology and they're just like, Oh my God, I want this right now. So, you know, it's, different generations, different timing, you know, and, and what the expectations are. And I think it's, uh, it's, you know, people are always looking for, you know, something to help improve the the comfort and experience and athletics when they're playing. And I think when you're in the middle of it, 
it resonates a little bit more. Yeah, I, I mean, and Mr. Jack, before Tiger, I mean, what made you go into like engineering and that type of work? Is it just kind of like you were always kind of like a mechanical guy? You could always like do well with your hands or something like that. Oh gosh, um, I mean, I guess so. I I, uh, I studied physics and theology in college, and um, I didn't really, you know, I, we didn't have an engineering department where I went to school. And um, but my dad was an engineer, and you know, I think anyone who has a dad or mom that's an engineer knows you kind of grow up with a whiteboard sometimes in the kitchen, and you know, you're just used to being told to think a certain way or problem solve a certain way. But I mean, I think it's just personality stuff. Like I, I've always loved tinkering and building things, and um, you know, and I, you know, I think it's, uh, um, you know, just like always kind of dreaming big about, you know, crazy ideas and how, how can you do this or how can you do that? And, um, spent most of my career really working more in like the digital engineering side. So working with teams that were building, you know, websites and, and, you know, you know, software applications for big companies. Um, I actually, you know, I'd never worked on a physical product before in my life. So that was actually really cool. Like I've, I've always kind of dreamed about, man, it would be so neat to have a, product that's, you know, that you could actually hold and touch and, you know, and I mean, like not, not like a website you're going to, or a, you know, a mobile app, which is, you know, it's also cool, but you know, you can't really hold that thing when you're all done with it. It's, you know, it's, it's a different experience. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, I think engineering, it's like, I, I like, build, I like building things. I like being around people that build things. And um, I guess I've always just sort of gravitated to that. Yeah. Everybody, I feel like everybody when they're younger is like, you know, dreams of like inventing something big one day. It's, it's oh, like yeah. got to be pretty cool to like actually put that into practice. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I don't know. It was like Picasso or, or some famous painter said we're all <laughs> artists and it's about, you know, as we get older, we're being, we're pretty much taught how to not be one. So right. uh, yeah, I agree. I think we all like building things when we're young. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. one of the cool things for me, just about the whole Tiger Air thing was seeing LSU be like, at the forefront of this and getting this first um it feels like lsu is kind of always at the forefront of revolutionary type things like this was what can you say about just the willingness from the lsu staff to implement things like this and was there anybody on the staff who was like i don't know kind of hesitant or just wasn't really feeling it at first yeah i mean that's a great question man i you know <laughs> the reality is it's you know it, there's so many layers to that right like it's a big state school Right. So it's funded by the state government. So there's all kinds of implications when you're a large state school, even compared to a private school. Right. Um, and, you know, you know, even even though you're you're a large university like an LSU or University of Texas, or University of Alabama or any of these big state schools um, and you have a lot of bureaucracy because that's the way things are. And it's just, you know, how you manage in these you know mega large environments, companies and schools uh, or government you know, organizations. Um, you know, I would say that the, you know, it's really more about the culture and, you know, although you have that layer of like, you know, this is a big bureaucratic, large institution, school or government or company or otherwise, um, you know, it's the culture that kind of defines how things happen somewhere. And, and I think what you have at LSU is you just have this incredibly resilient, like innovative culture with, within that, you know, system and, and I, I gotta be honest, like I went down and I met with the LCU athletics, you know, folks and, and the football team the first time. And I, I had no idea what to expect. Like I've never been around a, a football team beyond my high school football team, frankly. And, um, you know, and, uh, and, you know, small program, nothing to write home about. And, you know, I, I had, I think some just complete misconception of what it would be. And it could not have been farther from what I expected when I walked in just the um, you know, beyond the quality of the facilities and everything else, it's more like you said, like the, the amount of innovation that went, goes into everything they're doing from the locker room design to the, um, you know, to the, to the, you know, weightlifting equipment and the, um, you know, the type of software and, and technology they were leveraging there in order to amplify, you know, like power in the reps that the players are doing, just like the coolest things, the eye tracking software that they bring in and, and that's, you know, that's the people and that's the culture that allows for that. I mean, there's always going to be pushback everywhere you go, but, um, but it takes, you know, it takes the right kind of people and the right kind of culture to allow you to feel like it's okay to push back, right? It's okay to, you know, to try something new. Um, and, and they have that there. And, and I think it's one of the most special things I've ever seen, whether it's at a business or, 
you know, uh, uh, you know, school or anywhere in my career. Um, and, uh, and I think that's what makes LSU special is that, that kind of that innovative and creative and sort of pioneering spirit that you have there at the university. And, um, you know, and I, I, I'm sure they're going to continue to build on that in amazing ways. And, um, you know, but, uh, but it's a culture, uh, answer, I think right there. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Jack, I mean, yeah, you, you want to go, Nate? No, you got it. You got it. Okay. I was just going to say with that idea, I mean, you got so much traction. Um, like, I guess once it was like posted all over, you know, I think it was on Bleacher Report. I think it was on Sports Center. It was a bunch of things. Um, yeah. But I mean, first of all, like how surreal was that for you to see like your invention be all over the place? And then second, uh, I mean, what teams have reached out to you after all of that? Um, maybe asking like, hey, we're interested in maybe doing this for our guys too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I um, I mean, I've been holding this, I've been holding this quote in my pocket for a while now, and I'm going to use it. And, um, you know, when Nate Diaz, when he beat uh, Conor McGregor, you know, and they went to interview him on stage after, and they're like, this is so surreal. This is so amazing. You know, how, how do you feel? And, you know, I, that's my answer, right? I'm not surprised, motherfuckers, right? Like, <laughs> we've been grinding for three years. Like, we love what we do. We are passionate yeah. about what we do, right? We're For us, it's we always say it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a grind, and we – we know that, and it's not easy to to you know to build and start something from the ground up. And we have, we just have incredible people that are involved that believe in what we're doing at the university and and more broadly in the community there in Baton Rouge across Louisiana. Um, and and I think that's what makes us so so gritty about it because we know that a lot of people see this great thing that that we can create. You know that started right there in in Louisiana and. Um, you know, and, and we, you know, I guess, you know, we just have our eyes fixed on the horizon. You know, we hit a lot of speed bumps along the way. Everyone does, but, you know, we're, we're horizon focused with where we're going. Um, and, you know, we, we know we have something unique and special here and we're just doing the best we can to, to build it and, and showcase it at every step. And, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, sure. Beyond ESPN and all those, those things was really neat. It was really cool, but um, you know, we, we think we're going to be much bigger than that. And, and we believe that this is something truly transformative in an industry that is just full of commoditized products that have, you know, incrementally innovated and have been more aesthetically focused over the years. We believe that this technology or any technology is the real disruptor. And that's what we're all about. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great to have that kind of, uh, I guess, like competitive, like fire in like an industry like that. That's pretty key. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so I just, one thing I want to ask, so I guess when the, when the whole thing first went viral and it all blew up, right. And the whole thing was like, LSU's getting these first, yada, yada, yada. You had a lot of people from uh, opposing fan bases online saying how it's not fair that <laughs> LSU gets this and their school doesn't have it yet. So it's obviously like a huge it, thing as far as comfort for soft, all the players. Yeah. Yeah. It's Everybody obviously a huge it's obviously a huge comfort thing. Is there any kind of like performance, like on the field performance benefit thing that you guys have seen from, uh, from Tiger Air? Man, it's a great question. Um, you know, in so far as like any cool spring breeze provides any relief to an athlete, you know, <laughs> when they're out on a hot sweaty day. Right. Um, you know, it's, you know, sometimes we tell guys, you know, if you, you know, you go out there and you play, you wear a size 11 shoe, you know, how would you play if you showed up in a size 10 and a half? And they're like, yeah, probably not as good. Right. And it's, and it's because ultimately comfort is performance. Right. So right. we certainly can't say there's no performance benefit for being cooler and more comfortable. I mean, I think that's that, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's equally ridiculous for us to pretend there's any real like performance enhancement beyond yeah. you know, just taking care of the players and keeping them, you know, more comfortable. And, in, in you know, what is, a very kind of, you know, the, you know, it's, it's, it's a very encumbering and, and, uh, and, and heavy, you know, suite of equipment that they wear out there. I mean, what's, what's close to this ice hockey maybe. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you played in a much cooler environment. So um, I, I mean, I can't, I can't remember the exact statistic, but you know, when you look at football as it, as it relates to um, you know, all the other sports um, you know, that, that are played, and I think it's it's not just uh, not just helmeted sports, but all other sports that are played. 
I think football is, um, you know, football players are, um, are, are 10 times more likely uh, to succumb to heat illness than all other sports combined. I mean, that was in our pitch deck. I mean, that's nuts. I mean, think about that, right? Like, you know, playing football, you're 10 times more likely than all other sports combined to have a heat illness related event. And um, so I think just, you know, making players more comfortable, um, you know, and protecting them from the heat, even in the smallest way, uh, is not something we should take lightly. And it extends into other products we're working on, you know, for, uh, for construction and industrial use for hard hats. Um, same thing comes into play there, right? Where, you know, there was a, um, you know, there was an article back in 2021 in a, in a prominent news source um, that, uh, um, you know, that, that highlighted, you know, for workers and people working in industrial settings, that it's like heat related injuries in the workforce and the US workforce are vastly undercounted. And it's the same kind of theory, right? Where it's like, you know, you got a guy that's 20 stories up walking on a steel girder at two in the afternoon and it's 90 degrees and, you know, and, you know, he's been out there working all day and he, and he slips and falls when he gets a little lightheaded and, you know, and, and, you know, and dies, you know, well, what's the coroner report said? It doesn't say, oh, this guy was super hot and got dizzy and fell. It says cause of death is falling. Right. So right. you don't really, you're not able to see as much of the Account impact that he, yeah, it's, it's hard to pull that, you know, to, to elicit that from the data. Um, and even then, you know, heat related, you know, deaths, unfortunately, you know, are very difficult from a coroner to, to identify even within five minutes of, of death, because it, it's, there's just not a lot of indicators in the human body at, at a certain point after you die. So, so it's really interesting. We all know heat's a big issue. Uh, we see injuries spike in the hotter months and um, so, yeah, I mean, it, performance, absolutely. Insofar as, you know, you're more comfortable, you're probably going to do something better. Um, but I think the, the the bigger story and the more important one is, um, is really just about, you know, how do we take the best care we can of our athletes, of our, of our people that are out there doing physical activity in, in environments that puts them at risk for, you know, for injury. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's really cool. You know, a lot of people like, they look at this thing they're like, oh, it's just something cool that they add to the helmets, like whatever. But it's really like the next step in like player safety is what it is, which is really yeah. just awesome yeah. to see. Yeah, it's really awesome I mean, to see, especially to have our guys have that first, you know. Yeah. I mean, not only that, I mean, literally built it, you know, in partnership and out of that football you know, facility. They're working with the team for nearly three years. And and, you know, it was funny, a lot of a lot of the you know social media buzz, people were like, oh, it's not fair. Like you said, LSU has it. <laughs> you know, we were constantly kind of going out there like, Hey, this is available for everyone. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I mean, you know, like yeah, Florida like State purchased them for their right. linemen. So you're going to see them on both yeah. sides of the ball that season opener. There we go. Right. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not just LSU. Right. In fact, it's the yeah. opposite. You know, LSU has been, you know, one of the big biggest advocates of ensuring that everyone out there gets a chance to, to use that technology because it's, it's, it's not about winning and losing. Right. It's, it's about taking care of players. And, and right. even if it isn't, and, you know, an overt health benefit, you know, just making players more comfortable when they're out on the field is, is, shouldn't be a competitive advantage. It just should be the standard. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you say safety. I mean, um, obviously I'm sure y'all use that in your pitch. I mean, they had, they've had, I, I don't know the statistics on this, but they've had a few players just dying in summer practices yeah. um, just from yep. getting over exhausted. And um, I mean, that's, that itself is an issue, you know, that it doesn't matter how many uh, deaths it takes. It's just one that takes it to an extreme, you know, that's, that's one too many. Uh, yeah, you're, sure you're you 100% right. That. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what you just said is, is what's important too. It's like, I mean, listen, you, you know, you choosing, you, you decide to never even use it in a game. Who cares, right? You're using a helmet, you know, the, the lion's share of the time in practice, especially going into summer months where it's, you know, the elevated temperatures, like that's where it has the most benefit. Now, obviously using it in a game when it's hot and you're, you know, more comfortable with it on. Well, sure. You know, that, you know, that obviously is, you know, as a player, you're going to want that. You're going to want to be more comfortable, right? You're not going to want to wear those shoes that are half size too small. You know, you're going to want to be comfortable when you perform. So, um, so you, you have that, obviously that desire, but I think across practice and everything else, you see it with the guardian cap, right? No one's wearing a guardian cap in any of the games, but you know, it's it's starting to get mandated and and uh, and used in, in all practice scenarios because even if it keeps it's yeah. a little bit safer, right? Like, why not? Why would why wouldn't we want that? Right. Yeah, and I guess so, that shifts into my next question. Well, well, you can go, Nate. You can go. Okay, so it's um, 
obviously, and this question is going to kind of come from my my lack of understanding of engineering a little bit. But yeah. if you can if you can explain just how so obviously the the benefits really are are astronomical here with something like Tiger Air. Is there any kind of like I guess added risk just from having like hardware extra hardware like that in the helmet? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it, to say that there isn't an added risk is is you know would be you know patently false, right? You're changing right. something, right? But but the the real question is, you know, when looking at you know the impact studies and everything else of how a helmet's supposed to perform, does it stay within those performance boundaries, right? Is it is it still adhering to the standards that are are you know kind of the baseline standards that are expected of this equipment? And the answer to that is yes. Um, you know, people would be like, oh, you know, it's going to blow up and it's going to, it's like, man, you know, like, yeah. you know, that's, it, that's just like fiction, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, of yeah. course that things, those things happen in, in, in the world, like, you know, you know, phones do that and, and, you know, cars do that. And, and that's absolutely a risk of all the products that we use out there, you know, that, that have any sort of volatile substance in it, but, you know, lithium polymer technology, these batteries are so evolved from where they were five years ago, much less 10, 20 years ago. There's all kinds of overcharge and, and circuitry protection in these batteries. The quality of the of the products and the material components has gotten vastly better. And it's because we, we there's just so many more batteries in industry. I mean, think about it. We got electric cars and all this battery technology that's being that's being developed. So the quality of those products is is astronomically better. And then, you know, the, the rest of it is really just, you know, small, safe moving components that are in there. So, you know, it's, you know, it, it, if the head comes in contact with it, it's a, it's a silicone soft touch finish on all of our products with, you know, rounded edges where there's no sharp edge that can come in contact with the player. Um, the tubes are all, you know, non-kink, uh, you know, plastic rubber tubing, uh, the outlets and, and everything are all that type of silicone rubber plastic material that, you know, it's, it's soft against the skin if it comes in contact with you, but, you know, you test, you test around that to ensure that, you know, it, it still adheres under these impact tests to the, you know, to these requisite metrics that you need to, you need to adhere to. Uh, NFL is a different standard, different grade, and we're working with them because, um, you know, they test, you know, you see the same thing in major league baseball with the helmets that they use, they test at a higher velocity for pitches. Same thing goes, right? You're playing, you know, peewee to even college. You know, I mean, it's very different from NFL, right? Like, you know, I mean, you got you got a whole different caliber of of players in the NFL that are, you know, moving very fast and are very big and hit differently. So mm -hmm. they have different hit uh, impact tests that they do in house, and we're working with them, and um, you know, and uh, and uh, going through that process already. But ton of interest from folks in the NFL. But you know, you go through the process and you work with with everyone, you know, as, you know, step by step, but, um, but it's hard to argue at the end of the day, you know, where we see the most injuries, right. You know, when you're really looking at it, it's not, um, they're not, you know, impact related injuries, you know, you're seeing the lion's share are heat related injuries. So, um, you know, and the, a lot of the other, th a lot of the other types of injuries that, you know, folks will say, and the, you know, coaches will say now that, you know, this is about, you know, how you coach and train the players more now today than it is, you know, the, the equipment even, right. So, uh, so I think there's just a lot of variables at play and, you know, we're one small piece of that. And, you know, our focus is in just making our product compliant and safe, given the standards that are out there. Um, but, uh, you know, that takes, you know, a lot of partnership and work with helmet manufacturers and others out there in the market. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to ask you is, is it like in the nearby future, is it just going to be like helmets for football or is that going to kind of shift towards like, you know, maybe more sports and, and I don't know, maybe that's yeah. NHL said baseball, whatever that may be. Oh man. I, I, I mean, I, I have no problem sharing it. Uh, you know, we, we're going after, you know, batting helmets, baseball, softball, lacrosse, ice hockey, horseback riding, right. Motorcycle racing. We were in our first race with, uh, with JJ Yaley, he's a NASCAR driver in uh, the midget series back in January, wow. testing out our product installed in a, as a prototype uh, that we installed with the CEO of Bell Helmets into one of their racing helmets. Um, you know, it's, it, it's just a, um, it, it's an issue across the board in all categories when it comes to heat and wearing helmets. Uh, honestly, motorcycles probably the most miserable, um, you know, as far as, you know, the experience of having a motorcycle helmet on a, a full enclosure motorcycle helmet on. So, um, so yeah, we're going after everything and we got to, 
we got another product coming out uh, end of this summer that we're, I was, you know, just on calls about the product launch, you know, and, uh, we're facing a, uh, uh, we're looking at a like September launch right now. So we're trying to figure out with the football schedule, you know, maybe doing a, a launch party or something at one of the LSU football games, but we got a really awesome product out that is about to drop that I think is going to blow people away that we're really excited about. So. Any kind of sneak peek you can give us on it? <laughs> uh, I mean, how about this? I, I'll, I'll when when we have a when we have something that I'm ready to share, I'll send it to you guys first. Awesome. How's that? Uh, yeah, that'd be great. All right, Andre. Um, I was just gonna say, is there any other like comments or things that we may not know about Tiger Air? Kind of like that. I mean, that was awesome. I don't think a lot of people know that y'all are, you know, expanding. And that, I think that's really good yeah. to know because like you said, I mean, like these drivers are just like, that's smothering. Like at least, you know, like when yep. football players kind of run, they get like a little bit of a breeze, you know, when they run. Um, but like oh, yeah. these, these guys, it's like strictly smothering them. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, racing like NASCAR, you know, I don't know about Formula One. We haven't really gone into that space much. We've had couple of early conversations, but NASCAR is, it's stifling, right? I mean, you got a little bit of this airflow that they tube in through the helmet, through this perforation, like an air hockey table, but it, it doesn't make its way that efficiently to the driver and especially doesn't make its way to the face mask area around your face. So, you know, you, they're, they're typically in this situation where, you know, throughout the race, they want to open up their visor just to, to defog it, to let in some air, yeah. but they really can't do that because it lets in so much exhaust. I mean, these, I mean, there's just a ton of exhaust on the track and inside the cars. So, you know, they're sort of left just, you know, just, you know, kind of choking down the air that's in there. And it's, it's pretty, pretty difficult. I mean, they lose a ton of water weight, obviously during a race. I mean, they, you know, they sweat a ton in, in, in the car. It's, it's, it's a very intense sport. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, for us, you know, the type of innovations we're looking at, you know, to start are, are in these arenas right now, but, um, and, and we consider that kind of our hardware platform where we're starting, but um, I guess the only other thing I, I'd give as a sneak peek is that, you know, we also see this, you know, as a wearable and it's almost kind of like a Trojan horse where, you know, people want to wear these products. We're not for, it's not like a, you know, things like a Fitbit where you have to really convince people yeah. to get a Fitbit and wear it and, and then even keep wearing yeah. it. Right. Like I was, you know, whenever we're in meetings with people, I'm like, you know, who has, who owns a Fitbit in here? And like half the people raise their hand if they're over 30 years old. And I'm like, is anyone wearing them? And no one's ever wearing them. Right. And, and for me, that's kind of the nature of the wearable market where, you know, for us, I'm like, we have something people want to wear. Like they're coming to us and be like, man, I need to wear this thing. I, I need it for my job. I need it for this, that, and the other. Um, and then, you know, you know, what we have in that scenario is, is again, what I call a Trojan horse in that, we have a circuit board and a battery people want to wear around, you know, what else can we do with that? And, and, you know, and in the industrial sector with our new hard hat line that we're, that we're, you know, we have in development, um, you know, we're going to have a connected version that has a suite of telemetry sensors in it. So that's like velocity, acceleration, temperature, air quality, uh, optional GPS. And, you know, we stream that using a, you know, a 4G LT uplink, we stream that to AWS and, package that data so that it can get consumed by some big companies that, you know, work with this type of, you know, industrial data for, you know, Exxon and, and, you know, Bechtel and big major industrial companies that, you know, want to know, you know, where are their workers? Where are our people? Are they okay? What are they doing? Like, you know, they just want more insight into that. And, and that's the the day and age we live in. So, um, so there's some pretty wild stuff from a software perspective that, that we're starting to look at. And, and there's a lot you can do with that also when you start to look at athletics, right? When you want to get into, you know, being predictive about injury. I and mean, that's the thing I've talked a lot with Jack Marucci about and, and, and Greg as well over at LSU is, you know, once you start to collect a lot of data from a helmet, it's not just looking at past like, you know, oh, someone got impacted this much or X, Y, Z. It's, it's stitching that data together then to say, all right, you know, someone sprained an ankle or you know, hurt a rotator cuff, whatever those injuries are getting explicit and then looking at the data and aligning chronologically these injuries with that. And what you start to get then is the ability within that noise, all that noisy data, you start to get the ability to be predictive because a lot of the times injuries that manifest typically, typically have some sort of other thing that that's contributing to it, right? Like, you know, you go talk to a guy when he gets injured and, and he's there on his crutches and you're like, 
you know, like, oh, what happened? Oh, you know, it's my ACL, you know, I'm out for the year. And like, oh, okay, well, it's like, you know, before that got hurt, like, you know, was there anything that made you, you know, you look back and you're like, man, I think this happened and then it got hurt. And almost every time they're like, yeah, it's so funny you say that, like kind of come off like a couple plays before and, you know, my hip was a little sore and blah, blah, blah. And so there's a lot of, a lot of opportunities, I think, out there in all this noisy data that we could collect to start to get more predictive of injury where it's like, you know, what if you're a trainer now on the sidelines for an NFL team or, you know, LSU or Alabama or whomever, you know, you know, you, you want to protect these players. And now you get an alert that's like, Hey, you know, number 27, there's a 60%, you know, you know, increase in chance of them being injured. And it might just be noticing that they're coming off the line 5% slower rotating 3%, you know, slower that the human eye can't catch. Right. And you're able to pull them off and say, Hey, what's going on? Like, you're all right. Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I kind of tweaked my, my, my back a little bit, but I'm okay. And it's like, well, you're probably, you might not be right. Cause you're so hopped up on adrenaline. You're not noticing it. So there's, there's just amazing things you can start to do with this technology as you, as you roll it out and it becomes more mature and more sophisticated. And we're really just at the very beginning of that story. I mean, we are like, like day one inception. And um, I'm just super excited about all the things that, you know, we can do in the future and, and going down this path. Yeah, that's awesome. We really, really love what you guys are doing over there at Tiger Thanks. Air. Appreciate it. It's awesome, man, what y'all are doing for player safety. And we're just, I mean, we're super excited, just like you are, to see what uh, what's in the future for Tiger Air. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. We really appreciate you coming on with us today, Mr. Jack. Absolutely, man. Thanks. Yes, thank yeah, you. thank you, Nathan. Andre, really enjoyed it. And anytime you guys uh, want us on, We'll be there and I'll make sure awesome. if you haven't heard from me by August 1st, send me an email and I'll make sure to get you a, a, an insight into what we're going to be launching so that you guys can talk about it. Cause it's going to be badass. Awesome. We'll do. I'm excited. Yes, we're, we're ready. I mean, that's <laughs> awesome. Ready. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. I appreciate it guys. All right. Appreciate you, Mr. Jack. Yes, sir. Thank All you. All right. Y'all take care. Thank you. You too.